So anyway, communion. I want to talk to you about communion for, uh, for the next 30 minutes or so. And, uh, you know, God has been speaking to, um, to, to me and to our leadership team about our response times here at Thousand Hills. As you know, um, at Thousand Hills, we have uh, response times with, uh, with candles and, um, and communion and crosses and prayer team and an offering. And those things are part of, have been part of response time. But God has kind of been, been, been triggering something in my heart that, that, that maybe we need to shake things up a little bit. And and, um, and actually, um, as I started to study the Bible a little bit more about communion and, and, and the true meaning of communion, I've kind of felt like, you know, we, maybe we have this all wrong the way we've been doing this. Maybe uh, the way we've done communion the past, uh, past couple of years has been way too individualistic. Because, you know, we, <laughs> I was a little too excited. <laughs> it's all right, it's all right, I forgive you. Um, so maybe, um, you know, maybe what, what the Bible says about communion is like, yes, yes, you, you remember what Jesus has done for you. And this is a, a, a private, you know, in, individual thing, but there's also a communion, a community thing. You know, it doesn't, it's called communion for a reason. So, 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 you know, when God does something vertically in our lives, he, all, he always does something horizontally as well. Faith, Christian faith is never me and Jesus. It's always me and Jesus in the community around me. There's always the church family that is a part of this. And that's why it's so important, you know, as much as I love, um, you know, church online. It's a great opportunity for people to kind of get to experience our church. But the right place to actually experience God is, is, is in a room like this, where you gather together, where you worship, where you listen to God's word, where you, where you, um, you know, bless one another, where you encourage one another, you know, physically in the same room. So we, we felt like, you know, we've, we've, we've made it too individual these last couple of, of years. So to kind of help us get back into a, a more biblical flow of things, um, during, the, during two of the three last deeper nights, we actually had all church communion already. And, uh, you know, there was, a, was one in, in May last year and then again in November. And if you were here in November, uh, if you weren't here in November, I want to encourage you to go online, go to our YouTube channel, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and then and find the, the, the deeper communion message that I did there because it kind of um, um, sets, sets the framework for, for what, what I believe biblically uh, is true about communion, theologically is true about communion. This is a very important message, and it will actually build a foundation for, for our faith here. And, and the result of the, all of this, you know, all the changes that have been going on in my heart and in our lead team, actually, it, it does mean that some things are going to change in, 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 in Thousand Hills, in the flow, how we conduct, conduct our services. And I want to apologize to, to all of you that, you know, I, may, I, I have not led you in the right way, especially as it pertains to communion. So f- please forgive me for, uh, for that. And, and I want to do what I can to make things right, to make sure that we actually follow a biblical pattern, uh, the pattern that Jesus actually clearly describes in, in, in Scripture. So, uh, so a couple of things that we're going to change. Our response times are going to change. Uh, where, you know... As you saw last year, we've had moments where we actually had uh, people come up front for, for altar calls and, and we'll be 
we'll keep on doing that in, in this coming year whenever it's appropriate. Um, and our response times on the sides that we've been doing, uh, we're, we're not going to have candles anymore. We're not going to have communion there anymore. Um, the candles, because uh, there is not a theological um, foundation for that as much as, as there is for like communion and, and, and things like the cross and prayer and those things that have a clear um, mandate in scripture. It's not like that for, for candles. And uh, so there's no, no, no longer going to be candles and communion because the communion that we offer on the sides was, has been very individualistic, at least for some of us. So we want to, um, instead of that, we want to offer communion um, regularly um, during deeper nights, but also during uh, Sunday mornings, not on a, like a monthly basis or anything like that. You know, whenever it's appropriate, whenever we feel like, hey, you know, God wants us to, to do this again on a Sunday morning. Uh, but especially deeper nights are extremely important because that's where you, as, as a church family, you gather together and you, you, you kind of think about the importance of, of things like this. So that's going to change. Um, also, we want to equip you to make sure that you, you, you can do communion in your home that you can do communion in your connect groups. Because, uh, and I'll get to that later on from scripture, uh, those are important, very important places where we can have communion together. Um, and, and, and besides that, uh, you know, we just want to make sure that, that we follow the biblical pattern in, um, in the way how we uh, conduct church. So uh, communion in the right way. That's a key thing that uh, God has been um, speaking to me and speaking to us, and uh, which means that we celebrate commu uh, communion in unity with our church family because it is a sign of the new covenant. And through communion, we not only remember the restored, fam uh, restored relationship that we have with God, but also the restored relationship between, uh, between other, other, uh, us and other Christians. So when God does something vertically, he does something horizontally as well. So anyway, two questions on the outside before I proceed. The first one is this. How is your relationship with God? How is your relationship with God? Is Jesus really your Lord and Savior? Is Jesus really your King? Do you trust in his finished work for salvation? Or do you trust maybe in your own good works? Is there anything in between you and him? And this could be sin. That's the most obvious thing to think about. But there's also like dead works that Hebrews 6 talks about. And we, we, we looked at that last year. Dead works is basically every effort on my own part to, to be accepted by God. Because Jesus has already provided everything for us. We could just trust in his finished work. We don't need to add something to that on our own end to be accepted by God. Do we truly honor God? Or do we see him as something common? Is it like, is he like something we just add to our lives or is he number one in our lives? Second question is this, how is your relationship with God's people? Is there offense maybe in your heart against someone? Does someone else carry offense towards you because of something that you might have done? Do you honor the body of Christ, which is the church, or do you see it as something common as well? Do you see... It's just as part of, you know, your tradition. You go to church on a Sunday and that's it. You don't engage with faith. You don't engage with the body, the church body, on a more regular basis than, than that. Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 18. He says this. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. And to some extent, I believe it. 
Wow. Matthew 5, 23 and 24, Jesus says something that is along the same line. He says this. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. How amazing is that, that, that Jesus doesn't even say, hey, if you have something against your brother, go to that person, make it up. No, if you know that that other person has something against you, you got to go to that person. You got to take the initiative. Too much of the problems that are happening in churches, but also like in, in our businesses and, and wherever we live our lives are the result of the fact that we just keep holding on to stuff against some, some, somebody else. It's like we hold on to offense. We make our own life difficult as a result of that. We got to make sure we make it up with people because if we, if we leave stuff in between us and other people, we, we, we destroy the unity in the church. We destroy the unity in our relationship with that other person. We got to make it up with them. Don't wait till they come to you. You make it up to them. Paul continues in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27 through 30. He says this, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of, of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. Man, it's... That sounds pretty negative, that what Paul is writing here. Is it really in the Bible? Yes, it is. And the problem was that, that, that many theological traditions have made this to be about unconfessed sin in your life. That you've got to make sure that that's out of the way before you have communion. It's not what it's talking about, this passage. This passage speaks about stuff that is in between us and someone else. That's when we partake of communion unworthily in a way that is not fitting because that, that disrupts the unity in the church. And when we disrupt the unity in the church because of something we hold on to against someone else, that's when we don't honor the body of Christ. That's why when we don't honor the church, the local church, which is the body of Christ. But you know what? When you, when you look at this from the negative side, you get this one picture, but when you t- flip it around and make it a positive statement, you know, Then it becomes something like this. Hey, if we do communion the right way, some very positive things are going to happen. Some of the, some of the, some of the sickness that is going on, some of the, some of the other stuff that's going on in our lives that is, 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 is giving us a hard time as, as, as believers, God will bring wholeness to these things, to our lives. He brings wholeness to our families. He brings wholeness to, to our church. When we take communion in the right way, when we take communion in unity, when we don't hold on to stuff in our lives. There's something powerful going on here. And I want us all to grab a hold of those those scriptural principles and I want us to grab a hold of the the promises that God has for us in 2019. Do you know what? That the communion was something that was so, so much part of Christian life back in those early centuries, right after Jesus left this earth. It was part of, of the weekly rhythm of Christian families. Because as you know, Jesus was a Jew. Christianity started in Jerusalem. It didn't start in Rome or anywhere else. It started in Jerusalem. 
It was. It started out as a as a a part of the Jewish religion until it became like its own religion, its own faith. So that means that a lot of the the things that traditions that happened in in Judaism, in the Jewish faith, were carried over into the Christian faith. For instance, the Sabbath. Jews till today they celebrate the Sabbath. It starts on Friday late afternoon, early evening, and it carries on for 24 hours. A moment that they set aside, that, is, that they set apart as holy, where they you know, think about all that God has done. There's a Sabbath meal, which is a festive meal. If you have any friends in, in Israel and, and they're on Instagram or Facebook, you'll see <laughs> the amazing dishes that they'll, that they'll eat right there. Part of those meals in the early Christian tradition was that, um, that, that, the, that Christians would celebrate communion during that meal. They would have the bread and the wine. They would think about all that Jesus had done for them. It was all so much part of, of early Christian life in those days. But, you know, the problem was for the church back in those days, back in 363, that like, they felt like they didn't have enough control over what was going on in the Christian homes. Church leaders. There was a council in a place called Laodicea. And it happened in 363 where church leaders outlawed the Sabbath. They outlawed communion in the homes. They, they wanted to make sure that this was like sanctioned, that only like official Christian leaders could, could distribute communion to the people. No longer could it happen anymore in the homes of people. No longer could it happen in the, in the places where it belonged. And I believe the devil was laughing when that took place because he was thinking, man, by taking communion out of the homes, I'm taking the power away from the Christian homes. And my, my hope for 2019, my prayer for 2019 is that we bring the power back into your home. We bring the power back into your uh, connect group. Communion is central to this. you know that I mentioned Laodicea, the council of Laodicea, 363 AD. When you hear the name Laodicea, it makes you think of another story in scripture. It's in Revelation chapter 3, where Jesus basically speaks to the angel, which is the messenger of the church in that place, Laodicea, which is in um, Asia Minor, uh, present-day Turkey. And he has something to share with the church there in Laodicea. He says this. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea writes, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation, I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold, hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Again, very positive. <clears throat> And then it goes on a couple of verses further. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, this is Jesus speaking, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on the throne, on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus says to the believers in the church in Laodicea, you are neither cold nor hot. 
But it, that, you need a little bit of the context of what's going on here to fully understand what's going on. Laodicea was one of, the, one of the cities that didn't have its own water supply. So they had to basically bring in water from the neighboring cities to have enough water for, their, for its population. In the neighboring cities, there were hot and, water, hot and cold water supplies. And they had to use aqueducts. And if you've traveled around the Roman world a little bit, which is, of course, most of it is here in Europe, you, you, you can see, still see some of those aqueducts. They're still intact. That's how good they were built by the Romans. So those aqueducts, they would bring in cold water from this city and they would bring in hot water from another city. But by the time it arrived in Laodicea, the, the cold water was lukewarm. The hot water was lukewarm. Not only that, it was contaminated with all sorts of rubbish that was in that aqueduct. It was bad quality water by the time it got to Laodicea. And Jesus uses this, this picture that, that, that this cold water is now lukewarm and the hot water is now lukewarm as a sign for their spiritual state. That, hey, church and Laodicea, you guys have turned lukewarm and you got to do something about it. You got to do something. You need to turn from, from your ways. So he says that, that, that he stands at the door, he knocks, and to everyone who opens the door, he would come into them and eat with them. He would have intimate communion with them. And that is so amazing that we, that we know that, that Jesus is standing at the door and knocking at our door and saying, hey, I want to have communion with you. I want to have an intimate relationship with you. Hey, I want to know you. I want to know what's going on in your heart. I want to know what's going on in your family. Jesus wants to have that personal, close connection with you. And if you've become lukewarm in your life, and, and I don't know about you, but, you know, I, I have moments in my life where I'm on fire for God. But there are other moments in my life where, you know, you still think I'm on fire for God, but I, I know how my inside is. I don't feel like I'm on fire for God. How many of you have ever witnessed that in your own life? All the truthful people are raising their hands now. We'll struggle. There's always this tendency to, to walk away from this red-hot relationship with Jesus to, to, to being you know, lukewarm or even cold in a relationship with him. And I, I believe when I look here at the story here in, in Revelation, that, that could it be that, that, that communion, that having that intimate meal with Jesus is actually the key to being on fire for God again? Could it be that there's so much more that God wants us to experience in our lives and the only thing we need to do is open the door when he knocks and let him in? There's so much more that Jesus wants to do in our lives. We need to go back to the basics. Communion is key in this relationship. that we have. If, if we lost something, we need to go back to where we lost it. Right? So we need this. It is so basic. And again, I'm sorry for not leading you well in this aspect of our faith. So where is, what is the proper place of communion in, in church life and in our own lives? Acts 20 verse 7 says this, on the first day of the week. Now what is the first day of the week? It's not the Saturday, it's the Sunday, it's the day. The day of the Lord's resurrection. And we were gathered together, so the church was gathered together to break bread Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. And that's what I'm going to do today as well. <laughs> Come on. Let's do it, huh? 
So the church celebrated, don't worry, don't worry. The church celebrated communion, gathered together on the first day of the week, once a week. And then there's this other passage, which, which, which is one of my favorite passages in scriptures. And I want to, if you have a Bible with you, please look it up. It's Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. I'm going to read from the, um, the English Standard Version right here. It's amazing. It's probably one of my favorite, favorite passages. It says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. This sounds familiar, right? Communion. And, to, and, and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I think of that passage and I'm like, I want that. I want to experience that. I want to experience this revival that is being described here. I want to. I want to. I want to see this happen in 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 Hilversum, 2019. If God did it 2,000 years ago, He could do it today, doesn't He? All came upon every soul. It says. They honored God with their whole lives. And as a result of that, God could work miracles among them. Man, this is the, the normal, supernatural life of church that God has for all of us. This is the normal, supernatural life that God has for you personally and for your families. This is something that is readily available to all of us if we just honored the principles in the word. Now, how did these people honor God? It's easy. For one, they took the, the apostles' teaching seriously. They took the word of God seriously. They didn't make it their own thing. They, they, were, they were serious about the word of God. They didn't add to it. They didn't subtract from it because it was uncomfortable, the word. No, they took it as it was. They prioritized the fellowship. The coming together with other believers. This is so important. And, and I love church online. I, I believe it's a great blessing in our times that we have church online. But nothing beats gathering together in a room like this. Experiencing God's presence together. Sensing that awe that, that comes upon every soul when we gather together in a place like this. So if, you're, if, you're a, if you watch church online more than once a month, come to this room. There's so much more that God has for you when, you when you're in the room together. They broke bread. In other words, they had communion together. They prayed. Prayer is, it was so central to the life of this church. And we want to get into this with the 21 days of prayer and fasting. They were generous towards each, towards each other. Nobody in this church was lonely or had nothing to eat. And I believe that as believers, that, that we're called to look out for one another. We're called to, to serve one another. We're called to help one another when we go through a difficult time in our lives. 
This is not a call to socialism or, or communism at all, as, as some people have used this passage. Like, hey, you know, look at this. This looks like communism. No, this wasn't forced. This was all voluntary. It was all because God welded up in the hearts of those people, and that's why they wanted to be generous to the people around them. This was nothing forced like communism or, or socialism. And the Bible doesn't condemn private possession or wealth. But what the Bible does teach us, that we need to be generous with it. And you know what? One of the things that God has been speaking to us as a, as a leadership team is like, hey, we, how, how can we make this practical that, you know, that, that as a church we take care of each other's needs? Instead of just looking to a, like a, like a deacon department or instead of looking to the pastor or, 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 or another select group of people, how can we help each other? The result of that discussion actually was something that you can see on the wall over there. Everybody look over there. It's the needs wall. And so I explained it in the first service as well. I said, hey, you know, if you have a need, the chance may be pretty big that there is somebody in this room or somebody in this church who can actually help you solve that need. You know, you may not know who that person is because that's, you know, 600 people together. We're a little too big to kind of know everybody. But what if you just took one of those notes and you wrote down your name, your number, and what your need is, and then see what God will do through that. So my challenge to you if, you, if you have a need in your life at this moment, you know, of course, the first thing you do is you pray. You pray to God because God is our ultimate provider, right? People are not your provider. God is your provider. But the next thing you do is you take one of those notes, one of those cards, you, you fill them out, and you, you, you put them on the needs wall right there. And then the rest of us, I want us to get into a habit that every Sunday we kind of walk, walk by there. Hey, is there something that I, can, that I can do this week for somebody? And you just take the card with you and you call up the person. Hey, I got a solution for your problem. That's what it, what it means to be family, right? That's what it means to be a church family. It's so much more than just, just gathering together as individuals sitting here on a Sunday. No, we, we, we look out for one another as a church. We look out for one another as a church family, Right? And then the last thing was that they praised the Lord joyfully. They praised the Lord joyfully. And because this, this community honored God and looked out for one another, they loved one another, God added to their number each day people who were being saved. How many people is that per year? 365 people. Can that be our goal for this year, that the church will grow with 365 people because of the, the, the testimony that we all give? Because of the life that people can see in you, in your family, in this church, in your connect group. Can we see this church grow, go through the roof with 365 people because people are getting saved? That's my prayer. Now what was the heart attitude behind the actions of this early church? Verse 46 Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. I want to zoom in on three words here. And I did the Greek study. I'm not going to give all of the Greek study to you. I don't want to bore you with Greek. I'm going to give you one. It says that they were together with one mind. The Greek means something like they're in one accord. They have the same passion. They were united in passion. They were united, you know, in, in the same desire to serve God and to honor him. 
Not only that, they were doing it in, in, in gladness. And the Greek word behind the word gladness means something like wild joy. They had wild joy. That is not our, our, our Western um, nice joy. Oh, praise the Lord. That is wild joy. We're excited about what God has done in our lives. And, and we just make sure that everybody knows that what God has done in our lives. It's like we, we worship God with, with everything that is within us. We worship him with, with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul. And we'll make sure the neighbors will hear it. You have my permission to praise like that. Every Sunday morning, every deeper night, every connect group meeting. Just be careful with the neighbors, right? Last word that was listed here, sincerity of heart. And I hope I pronounced this correctly in Greek because we have some Greek people in the room here. Afeloteti karias. It says, now it may not mean much to you, but afelotes, that's actually a combination of two words. The word a, which means not, and philotes, which means stony ground. So these people who had sincerity of heart, you know what it means? That they had hearts that, that were without stones, that were without rocks of offense. Their hearts were uncomplicated and unencumbered, unburdened with negative thoughts towards one another. There were no stumbling blocks between believers anymore. Sincerity of heart. Simpleness of heart. What would it take for you to have a simple heart, to have a sincere heart, to have nothing in between you and that other person anymore? No stones, no rocks of offense anymore. And why is it that the, the church life as described in Acts chapter 2 is now the exception not to rule anymore? How can we bring back the fire and passion into our church and into our lives and our homes that we see here in Acts chapter 2? My prayer for Thousand Hills is in 2019 is that we become a church that resembles that church in Acts chapter 2. But I can't do this on my own. The lead team can't do this on their own. We need you to be involved with this. We need all of us to be involved in this and to be the family of God, to be Jesus' disciples so that the world around us will see that we love one another and when they see that we love one another, they will want to join this church. It's not because of the great preaching or the great music or, or, or the warm welcome or whatever. No, it's because there's true love for one another. That is a prime reason. Another thing that I want to see happen and I hinted at this before, is that I want to see communion go back to the place where it belongs, go back into our homes, go back into our connectors, go back into our deeper nights and Sunday mornings from time to time. And so that, that you as an ordinary believer, and I don't believe in ordinary believers because we're all priests, that we can administer communion in our homes, that we can administer communion in our connect groups and see the Lord work in power in all the places where you live your life as a result of that. Take back the power that the devil has stolen in Laodicea as a result of that council. Take back that power and let's put our hearts on fire again. Let's put our homes on fire for Jesus again. I want to give you three quick take-homes right now to go from lukewarm to red hot. First one is this. Seek God first in 2019. Seek God first in 2019, do we all have 
a similar passion for God? Do we all have a passion for his kingdom, for his church? Are we wildly joyful about all that Jesus has done on the cross for us? Second take home is this, honor Jesus' body, the local church. Is there any offense or bitterness you have against someone else in church? Make it up. And we're gonna have communion today. And if there's something between you and somebody else here in this room, I wanna encourage you to take out your phone right now. What's happened? Say you're sorry. And, and, and say that you'll talk later because it's good to talk face to face, right? But you won't have time to do it now before we have communion. So that's why you use WhatsApp, whatever. So honor the body of Christ, the local church. Don't let those things in your heart cause division in this church. It's too holy. It's too special what we have here together. Third one, third take home. You're a priest. Act like it. You know, the Bible speaks about the priesthood of all believers, that we're a kingdom of priests. And in 2019, I want you to, 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 to actually take up that calling upon yourself and be that kingdom of priests, be, be that priest in your home. You know what? There's so much more power that when, when, when you serve communion in your home as the priest of that home, then if I would come and do it for you, even though I'm the pastor, because you're the priest of that home. You're the priest in that family. And you gotta take that place. You gotta take the place that God has given to you and, and, and miracles will happen. Breakthroughs will take place in your, in your family like you've never experienced before. I wanna, I wanna help you. We wanna help you to, um, to step into that amazing calling that God has for each and every one of us. Are you ready for 2019? Are you ready to claim back what the devil has stolen? Are you ready to step into your, your God-given calling as a priest and, 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 and see your family thrive and see your business thrive and your, 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 your job and whatever you're involved in? We need to step into this, friends. We need to step into this. So let's close our eyes and bow our heads right now. Lord, we come to you right now. We thank you, God, that communion is such a vital thing in our faith and that as we bring back the true meaning of it into our lives, into our homes, into our families, into our, our connect groups, into the church, Father, that you're going to unravel, you're going to unfold some things that we've never experienced before up to this moment. And Lord, we just pray that we would step into that calling as a priest, that we take back what the devil has stolen from us and that we will be red hot, Lord. That we, instead of being lukewarm, Father, that we will be red hot and full of passion, full of zeal for you and for your kingdom, God. Father, just help us, Lord, to, to take a hold of everything that you have for us in 2019. There's so much more, Lord, that you have for us. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen.